Welcome back, everyone, to the CMO's Guide to Everything. I'm your host, Laura Cuddle, and today we have with us Ashley Estelette. She's the Chief Marketing Officer of MetraTech, which she'll share more about that in a bit. Um, she has 15 years of experience in leading business strategy and Marcom activities, spanning the gamut of messaging, positioning, PR, strategic planning, sales enablement, um, the whole nine yards. Her leadership style, I've heard people describe her as roll up your sleeves, which is a huge compliment, strategic and tactical. The CMO's Guide to Everything podcast is sponsored by Advertos, a digital marketing agency. Advertos helps B2B technology companies to target potential customers with laser accuracy and micro-targeted messaging. The firm leverages a mix of creativity, strategy, and digital technology to produce measurable results. To learn more, visit advertos.com. Hi, Ashley. Hey, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much, Laura. Of course, of course. So let's start out a little bit and just kind of orient our audience. Um, what is MetraTech and who is your audience? Who are your customers? Great question. So um, MetraTech is actually a company that's been around for over 30 years in really the legal and uh, risk management and compliance space. So our customers range from everyone from, you know, law firms that are leveraging a lot of our technologies, a lot of our solutions, um, all the way to big corporate companies. We've got some of the largest companies in the world that are customers really spanning every single vertical. So it's an incredibly exciting company. You know, like a lot of companies, I think COVID kind of accelerated, you know, digital transformation and that kind of thing. And so we're we're definitely on the forefront of that. And so it's been just a super exciting time to be at the company. Excellent. So what about your background prepared you for this role? So I always say that I was super fortunate. I had really great mentors all the way through my career. But one of the things that I had someone very early tell me was never say no. And while we've kind of realized that there has to be a balance to that, I, there was a lot of that that I that I kind of took to heart throughout my career. And I got involved in a ton of different areas of marketing. I always made sure that, you know, if I didn't have experience in PR, the, the next role that I kind of negotiated, I really wanted to get exposure into that. If I didn't have experience in kind of the demand gen or lead gen, that was then an area that I made sure I sort of elbowed my way into. Um, and so I think just getting that broad exposure really made me a much stronger leader, being able to, you know, you kind of mentioned roll up, the roll up the sleeves mentality. Um, I think it's really tough to do that if you don't understand what your team's really doing and you haven't kind of been in the trenches, you know, in the past. And so I think that's really prepped me for um, being in kind of that broad leadership role because I, I have a great understanding of a lot of the different areas of marketing. I think that's such a good point. So I, you know, along those same lines, you know, if you haven't been in it, you can't be the point of escalation. So I know a lot of times in, in my team, you know, when people have issues and they have something they can't solve, I'm the point of escalation. I'm the person they come ask. Yep. And if I've not done it, I couldn't help them. But so I find myself a lot, you know, it's helpful to have that huge background of actually getting in there and doing the work so that yeah. when people have issues, you can lead them and guide them in whatever the, the problem might be. So Good, exactly. good point. Good point. Exactly. So, you know, we've all been through, dare I say it, it's way overused, COVID at this point. That aside, we're not going to talk about that anymore. How <laughs> is it changing? How how is how is life in 2022 going to be different? You know, one of the things that we're we're sort of all, I guess, in the thick right now of planning for 2022, right? We're it's it's right around the corner. 
top of mind for us and our team and what I'm kind of seeing as a general trend in the market is obviously this acceleration into digital, right? The digital world kind of came came at us much faster than I think a lot of us expected. And it's certainly here to stay. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're really looking at is this, you know, I think this kind of pivot from a in-person or a digital and then you kind of have this middle ground that's this hybrid. And one of the things I told my team as we were going through budgeting was don't overthink the hybrid. So I think into 22, you know, don't overthink the hybrid model. There's going to be some things that you've done, events you've planned that are just flat out not going to work digitally or they're not yeah. going to work in a hybrid model. I think that's OK. I think, you know, God, God forbid we say it, COVID, <laughs> in COVID <laughs> we tried to force all this stuff into digital. And at some point you just have to say, you know what, it's just not, it's just not a, a channel that's going to work for this particular thing or this particular engagement. And so I think kind of, kind of um, level setting on that for 2022 is just going to be huge for, for our team and for marketing teams kind of broadly. Have you found much of a, like an appetite in the marketplace for hybrid events? Like, have you found that to be, you know, popular for lack of a better word. We had no options earlier, right? Like we were for all sure. limited to virtual and yeah. now we're beginning to have some options again, I guess. How would you gauge the appetite of the audience? It, you know, are we ready for hybrid yet? You know, is that working? You know, it's funny because we've had customers ask us. So we've got a, you know, for example, a big user conference we're going to do in, um, in August of 22. And we've had customers ask us, you know, what's the virtual option? And, you know, it, when we kind of say, hey, there, we don't think there's going to be one, you know, it's sort of exclusive. The half of, you know, the value that our customers are going to get from that event is by being in person. That's that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. um, we don't really have anybody push back and say, oh, well, you know, geez, I wish you would offer this this virtual version for me. So I think I think you're just going to find, um, you know, a really healthy mix into 22 of some stuff going back in person. Some stuff is going to stay virtual and I think marketers just take a good hard look at at what your plans are and and just don't try to force them anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good insight. Um, so let's talk a little bit about rebranding. I know that you guys have have done some of that. Maybe talk about your initiatives there and um, maybe co corporate buy-in um, from company leadership. When is it time to do a rebrand and how do you make that pitch? Yeah. It's it's a super great, great question, right? And we've um, so as a company in the last 12 months, we've had we've done nine acquisitions. So when you talk about bringing in these companies, looking at the brand equity that each one has and making some of these big decisions, you know, getting that buy in from executive leadership around what we do with these with these companies, what we do with these products to bring them into that big Nutratech portfolio. There's a couple of things that I've found have worked really well um, when it comes to kind of making that pitch to, to leadership. I think the first one, you have to understand your brand strategy. Sometimes you don't even realize that you don't have one until a scenario comes up where you're buying a company or you're, um, you know, need to go to market differently with a certain product. And so really understanding what's your brand strategy. Are you, you know, OK with being kind of a house of brands? I think that can work. Or do you want to be that more unified um, you know, branded house as a as a strategy. And so for Metrotech, we're the latter for sure. Um, but I think you got to know your strategy, be really clear on that. The other thing is make sure that leadership understands the why. So, you know, it's sort of 
why now, why this particular product or, or company, and then why us? Why are you the company that really needs to be the one kind of paving the way with this, with this new message or position? So that's really big. The other thing I'd say would be just a clear timeline. Um, make sure that leadership understands how you're going to go about the execution. You know, the last thing you want to hear is, yeah, we're going to we're going to do a rebrand and I don't know, we'll kind of phase into it. You know, so just being really clear about yeah. timelines, deliverables, kind of get into some of those some of those details so they can feel really confident in um, in what you're going to execute on. Yeah. So with these nine acquisitions that you mm-hmm. mentioned, um, do you have a, a strategy or what you know kind of recommendations would you have along integrating those, the process of integrating those as you especially as quick as you have? Yeah, it's it's not it's not easy for sure. I think the best thing that Mitratech has done is really have a rigor around that process. So we have a really um, really concise and streamlined 30, 60, 90 day process. It's cross-functional. So we get stakeholders from product, from sales, from marketing, from legal, from accounting, right? It's the entire kind of the entire cross-section of the company. Um, and then, you know, taking it one step further, the order that you integrate becomes really important. And so we've really, we've really just, um, you know, nailed the, the great best practice around what needs to come first, you know, what systems need to come first, then the next steps after that, you know, marketing starts to come in. And so there's a really logical sequence that I think people have to think through when they're bringing in another company. It's not just, hey, we're going to throw everything together at once and hope it all comes together. There's um, there's a lot of planning that goes into making sure that the right steps are taken at the right time when you're bringing these things in. Yes. Well, and that's such a you know, not only are you risking your current audience and confusing them, but, you know, there's a whole other challenge there that I think is interesting that I've seen people struggle with. Um, I've personally faced this challenge. So I'm speaking from personal experience here. When you acquire somebody, um, a lot of the value sometimes that they're bringing with them is their customer base. So that mm-hmm. can be a careful dance to make sure those customers come with um, and that pipeline comes with to get the full value of that sale. At that point, it's more than just, oh, we're going to put out a press release. Oh, we're going to yeah. announce this, whatever, whatever. Like like it, marketing becomes at that point very directly a revenue function to handhold those customers over. So yeah. have, have you had any experiences like that? I mean, you you nailed it, Laura. Like when we think about the sequential steps that we have to take to bring these companies in and bring them in, tuck them in fast so that there's very little disruption on the customer side. The number one thing that we always keep at the forefront is that everything we do has to be to the value of the customer experience. So bringing those customers on board, um, we have a lot of communication plans that go around, um, you know, that are that are just really comprehensive around communicating to the customer why the acquisition made sense making sure they understand the added value they're getting by now having access to this huge, broad company um, with all these resources, all these technologies, all this investment that we're putting into to our solutions and our technology. So it becomes, you know, you're you're 100% right. It becomes a big, a big job on marketing to make sure that those communications happen and that um, those customers feel like they're they're getting even greater value. Yeah. Kudos to you guys. Um, that's super exciting. Do you have maybe a, an example of something that was super risky? Maybe a story about a risk that you took that ended up paying off? Yeah, I do, you know, I do. And kind of on that same um, branding theme, 
we recently rebranded one of our acquisitions. So the acquisition was called Contract Room. Super incredible kind of diamond in the rough CLM technology, which stands for uh, Contract Lifecycle Management. And so we brought them in, did a really tremendous job of integrating them quickly, so quickly, in fact, that you know, five or six months in, we had actually, our product team had actually really enhanced the product. So did some cool stuff with AI, did some cool stuff with analytics. And so that was a really nice kind of tipping point for us to say, okay, we don't want to hold on to that company name anymore. So we need to go to market big and bold. Um, the name we ended up changing it to. So we went from contract room to era CLM with this big message around like us ushering in this new era of contract lifecycle management. And so it was a little bit of a of kind of an edgy name. You know, when you think about like think about Facebook and Meta, right? I mean, it's right. The, the, the brands nowadays are just, um, you know, they're kind of a combination of being descriptive, but still a little bit, you know, catchy and you got to have something punchy and memorable. And so, you know, it was it was a, a little bit of a risk to go a little bit edgier with a name um, on this one. But it's it's been tremendous. We had incredible customer feedback, you know, from a pipeline standpoint. You know, we've built a, a lot of pipeline already around that new rebrand and really capitalizing on kind of that momentum in the market. So it was super fun, but it was definitely, um, you definitely have those moments where you're kind of thinking, oh, geez, how's this going to, you know, how's this going to land? <laughs> yes. yes, been there, been there. <laughs> um, so as you talk about your marketing investment, you know, marketing largely, we talk about it in two giant buckets, right? You have the lead gen stuff and then you have all your branding stuff. You know, what percentage split would you say it, you invest in over the course of a year? Yeah, that's a super good question. We, you know, one of the things that we really tried to focus on in the last, you know, I'd say nine to, to 12 months is bringing together a lot of sales, a lot of marketing, and kind of making that one revenue center. So what's interesting about Tech and what's pretty unique is that, you know, we really don't split off much of, you know, we have our marketing spend, but we don't split off much of, hey, this is, you know, really lead gen, lead gen, um, and this is, you know, something separate and this is what sales brings in or this is what, you know, is contributed to kind of brand. But if I were to say kind of to answer your question, um, we probably we probably spend it's probably 70, 30, um, you know, kind of pipeline generation versus, you know, real strong branding. Um, really, the two are pretty married at the company, but because of the acquisitions and things like that, we do find ourselves, you know, probably strictly dedicating a lot more, especially this year, to those branding elements. The branding. Well, and yeah. I would say that, you know, just from from the sounds of it, it sounds like you guys are doing a really good job of, you know, having things that probably double a lot for both. That's what I find sometimes too. You know, companies, you know, my clients ask me a lot, what should I be spending? They want some guidance on what they should be spending on lead gen versus branding. And, and sometimes my answer to them is sometimes the best things are a little bit of both, you know, like sure. if you do a LinkedIn campaign, can it generate leads? Yes. Is it building your brand? Also, yes. You know, so right. exactly. which bucket does it go in? Man? Yeah. You're, and you're finding that I think with a lot of things, right? You even think about, you know, your, your tech stack versus lead gen, like they both, everything is so interconnected and married yeah. that, um, you know, it, it all really becomes like the full marketing influence on a business. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to what extent has the great resignation, you know, everybody at this point is talking about quitting jobs and so forth and so on. How has that affected your team? I know you've been hiring, so maybe not, but what, what have you found when you've gone to hire? 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's been so interesting to follow a lot of these conversations that are happening, you know, and, and all these articles that you see about about this happening. We've, you know, when I came on the team, we had, um, I had seven open positions. And so, you know, I hate to say it, and people are, you know, probably gonna gonna kill me for saying it, but we've actually been kind of a beneficiary of, of the great resignation, <laughs> because we're getting so many amazing people. I mean, we've, you know, um, you know, our recruiting has been great. And we've really just tapped a lot of the the kind of unsettled feeling I think that people have had in the market. And we've been able to bring over just really incredible talent. I mean, hasn't been easy, right? You know, you hear people talk a lot about, you know, all kinds of employee experience, things that they want to see, right? The the kind of requirements I think that people want out of a company and expect out of a company now are, are different than, you know, even probably five years ago. Yeah. Um, but but we've you know, we've we've just built an incredible team now. So I hate to say it, but it's been it's been OK for us. <laughs> well, since you have built that incredible team, what kinds of things are you finding that people really value? What does it take to attract that good talent? Yeah. One of the things I think that our team would say is is one of the biggest differentiators is just, you know, we've we've kind of started this mantra lately called celebrate that we just say celebrate everything. And it's. It's, I think, just that that energy and that passion and that enthusiasm behind what we're doing. You know, nobody wants to come to a job eight hours a day and and feel like, you know, it's boring and you're not having fun and you don't like the people you're there with and they don't they don't care as much as you do, right? And so we've been super fortunate to really find those those people that have that that drive, that passion. Um, we have fun together. We celebrate all the little wins along the way. You know, webinar registrants or attendees or you know, new videos that we launch. I mean, all those things are are reasons to celebrate and and you know congratulate each other. So I think I think that energy has been a huge thing. I think you know um, the you know I hate to even say work life balance because they're so blended nowadays. But you know we've we've done some really great things around um, you know sending the team swag and you know having we have wellness days as a company, which is um, actually it's tomorrow <laughs> is one of our wellness days. So we try to we try to really give people um, a day to step away. Um, you know, it's across the company. We do the no meeting days. So I think all those things combined, people just um, they really want to know that the company cares about who they are as an individual now. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. I've not heard of this no meeting day thing. It's just, I need this in my life. I need this in my life tomorrow. Yeah, start this. <laughs> it's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard to do too because you you really have to force yourself to block your calendar, and it's not it's not an easy thing to do. But but man, you can um, you can really get a lot done, and I think the employees really value it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah. we come to my my last question, which is my personal favorite question. I am a reader. I love reading all the time. I read voraciously. So I always like to ask people, what was the last marketing or business book that maybe you read that you thought was really good? I I love that question. Um, so as a company, we actually rally a lot around um, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Okay. Uh, fantastic, fantastic book. And I find myself constantly going back and looking at the earmarked pages that talk about, you know, it's, a lot of what we kind of talked about around the M&A rigor and, um, you know, kind of being in the rolling up your sleeves and getting in the business and being really engaged in the business. And as a leadership team, we really, we really, you know, prescribe to a lot of that. And so um, that's always one that I'm constantly turning back to. So if you haven't read it yet, it's, it's an awesome, awesome read. I will read it. Absolutely. That sounds great. 
All right. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ashley. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you around again in the future. Sounds wonderful. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and drop us a review on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Tag me on Twitter at CMOGTE podcast and let me know what you think about the show and if there's any topic you'd like to hear about in the future. And until next time, this is Laura Cuddle, your host from the CMO's Guide to Everything.